your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 270 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers, of course, coming off of what can really only be described as a brutal opening night loss, 4-0 at home to the New York Islanders. And I wish I could sugarcoat this one, but I just can't do that. A very, very disappointing way to start the season for the New York Rangers last night. There were some positives. We'll get into them in just a second. If you look closely enough, you can actually pull at least a couple of positives out of this loss. But... You know, a couple of the things that really kind of hurt the Rangers last season, I thought really reared their ugly heads in this game here tonight. And first and foremost, you look at the faceoffs. That's something that we've talked about. The Rangers, of course, do not have a center on their roster who won more than half of his faceoffs last season, and they were dominated in the circle. They go 21 and 30 against the Islanders. I know that they won just two out of the first 12 faceoffs in the game, so. I mean, I guess from that perspective, they actually got better as the game went, but not a good night in the face-off circle. And the penalties, my God, the penalties, they were out of control. Uh, you know, we did a preview edition with Gil Martin from Locked on Islanders, and he does a great job with his show too. But we were talking about things that we each wanted to see from our respective teams for this game here tonight. And one of the things that I mentioned was, let's try and stay out of the penalty box. Now, you know it's not completely unavoidable, and also the fact that it's Rangers-Islanders, I think there tend to be more penalties in a game like this than there would be if the Rangers were playing a team like, you know, the Ducks or something, just some random team from the Western Conference, but the Rangers still end up taking nine minor penalties in this game, which is just way too many. I don't need to tell you guys that. It felt like they were playing the entire game shorthanded, and something else that we've talked about on here, look, penalties are going to happen. It's the NHL. No team is going to go through the entire season without taking a penalty. If that happened, that would be a problem too, because it probably means that they're not sticking their noses in there enough like they should be, but when you look at the penalties that the Rangers took in this game, very few, if any of them, came as a result of the Rangers trying to prevent a scoring opportunity. There were penalties that were happening in the neutral zone. There were penalties that just happened that just did not need to be taken. And one of the only exceptions to this was when Mika Zibanejad actually hooked down his opponent uh, near the Islander blue line because he basically had the puck stolen away from him. Now, in that case, yes, Mika Zibanejad took a penalty to prevent his opponent from having a scoring chance because after the Islander took the puck there, he was going to be going in basically all alone against Igor Shesterkin. So, in a way, yeah, that was a penalty that was taken to prevent a scoring chance, yet the Rangers did it to themselves there. You know, Mika just had the puck taken away from him. So, a lot of penalties... Very few of them needed to be taken at all, and it's something that the Rangers are going to have to clean up going forward. Penalties were a serious issue for this team, especially in the first half of last season. I joked that it felt like the Rangers could not go five minutes in you know, October, November, December. They could not go five minutes into the game without taking a penalty. To be fair, the refs were absolutely awful in this game. And anybody that's listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know, anybody who went through the Rangers season listening to the Locked On New York Rangers podcast last year, I think that you guys will give me the benefit of the doubt here that I don't really go after the referees all that often. I mean, I might point out if I think that there's an instance where, like, you know, I really don't think that that was a tripping penalty or I think the refs may have missed a holding penalty over here. I'll point it out, but I don't really go after the refs. The refs are not perfect. They're just like the players. I mean, they can have off nights as well. Nobody's perfect. People make mistakes. And this is not an easy game to officiate, and occasionally you're going to get a penalty called when there shouldn't have been a penalty called, and vice versa. The refs will miss a penalty when they should have called one, but they were absolutely awful in this game. And we're going to get into that. It's too much to talk about right now. 
But one other thing I just want to point out here before we go into our period-by-period breakdown is, you know, the Islanders, they are a good team. And it's important to remember this is just one game against a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last season. The Islanders, we may not want to admit it, uh, they are a very well-coached team, very disciplined team, very well-structured team defensively. And once they were playing with a lead, they kind of just had the Rangers in the palm of their hands the rest of the night here. Uh, Just a sound opening night performance from the Islanders, the kind of performance that we were looking for from the Rangers and just did not get. But you got to keep in mind, I mean, this is one of the last four teams standing in the NHL last season. They were the only team to participate in the qualifying round of the playoffs and make it as far as the E-Conference Finals. They actually took the Tampa Bay Lightning to overtime in Game 6 of the Conference Finals. If they score a goal there, I mean, who knows what happens? It's going Game 7, and uh, you know, I I get the feeling maybe the Lightning still pull out Game 7, but you never know. It's a Game 7, anything can happen. Bottom line, it's a long way of saying the Islanders are a good team, and this is just one game for the Rangers. And if the Rangers, listen, if they can bounce back on Saturday night, they take on the Islanders again, they put up a 4-1 to victory and improve in basically every facet of the game, then we're not really going to care that much about this opening night result here. It's just going to be a bump in the road and just a very regrettable way to start the season, but it will immediately become a distant memory if the Rangers can come out and, uh, you know, post a big win against the Islanders on Saturday. But we're going to go ahead, just go period by period, take a look at the highlights and the lowlights of this game, and, you know, just try to pull a couple of positives out of this, because like I mentioned just a second ago, there are a couple of positives. Some Rangers played well. I thought the fourth line looked really good. Uh, I thought Julian Gauthier had a really nice night for himself. I thought Alexi Lafreniere looked confident, especially considering he was making his NHL debut last night. But we're going to get into all that in just a second here. Wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season has concluded, and there are some big-time playoff matchups right around the corner. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. BetOnline.ag Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner by going on Twitter and going to at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code LOCKEDON for your sign-up bonus. Once again, that is promo code LOCKEDON in all caps, and you will get your sign-up bonus. Hashtag BetOnline. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know about Locked On Bets. 2020 is mercifully over. It is time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so... I thought the first shift of this game was pretty good for the Rangers. You had the Zibanejad line out there with Buchnevich and Kreider, and, you know, they spent a lot of time in the Islanders' zone and maintained control of the puck. Looked like they were about to set up a scoring opportunity, but then it goes back the other way. The first time the Islanders have the puck in the Rangers' zone, basically, you get a holding penalty on Jack Johnson, and the Islanders end up converting on the power play. Didn't take them a lot of time. There was a centering pass to Brock Nelson. Nelson scores from in deep, but, you know, Jack Johnson, it's a good opportunity to talk about him a little bit. 
Don't think he had a banner night here in his New York Ranger debut. I know a lot of Ranger fans were not really feeling this move when they made it. They couldn't understand why they would bring in Jack Johnson after he struggled over the last couple of seasons with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I get the feeling that we're going to see Brendan Smith on Saturday night in place of Jack Johnson. I almost get the feeling that that probably would have been the case uh, regardless of how Jack Johnson played, unless Johnson just had an outstanding game and looked great out there. But I don't think that can be said for any Ranger. I don't think any Ranger last night had an outstanding game and looked great out there. There were guys who did all right, but nobody had an outstanding game. Jack Johnson certainly did not have an outstanding game. There was an instance later where he was looking to dump the puck into the Islanders' zone, and he hit the linesman with it, and it resulted in the Islanders carrying the puck the other way. Matt Barzell ended up scoring there, making it 3 nothing at that point in the first period. Uh, you know, on, on one hand, with Johnson there trying to dump the puck into the zone, I mean, it happens. He hit the linesman every now and then. The, the officials are going to get in the way. There's nothing that you can really do about it. But on the other hand, it's a very simple play. You've gained the red line. You're looking to dump the puck into the zone. Dump the puck into the zone. Don't hit the linesman, all right? I, I know, you know, on one hand, it is a little bit of an unlucky break there, but I did not think this was a banner night by Jack Johnson by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, I get the feeling that the Rangers are going to look to get Brandon Smith out there. And if Brandon Smith plays well on Saturday, the Rangers get the win. Uh, that's probably his job to lose going forward, just based on what we saw last night. I don't want to kill Johnson. I know, again, that this was not uh, an overwhelming move that the Rangers made by bringing him in this offseason. We'll give him a little bit of a chance. But again, you know, that's going to be very much touch and go between Brandon Smith and Jack Johnson this season, I believe, as far as the six defensemen in the lineup on any given night. So if Brandon Smith plays well on Saturday against this same Islander team, you know, I think he definitely strengthens his grip on the, uh, the job there as far as being active on game night. Let's go ahead and back up here a little bit. The Islanders make it 2-0. Less than four minutes into the action, they get a two-on-one break, and Anders Lee takes a shot. Looks like it went off the glove of Igor Shesterk, and he definitely got a piece of it. Goes into the net, and like I said, 2-0 Islanders, less than four minutes into the game. And this is probably also a good opportunity to point out that this was not a banner night for Igor Shesterkin either. We've obviously seen him play a lot better than this. It's not all on him. He got very little help from his team. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Ranger defenseman who had a good performance on this night here against the Islanders, but... Yeah, I mean, Shesterkin, at least two goals that he definitely would have wanted back. There are brighter days ahead for Igor Shesterkin, and I don't want to make it sound like it was a total loss or, you know, he was a complete disaster in the net because he did make some nice saves, uh, stopped 29 of the 33 shots, and I thought after it went to 2 to nothing here, uh, he actually, in the minutes that followed, made some really nice saves to prevent it from going 3 to nothing very early in this game, and at that point, the game's looking like it could get completely out of hand. Uh, he made a couple saves on deflections that were really good, uh, a couple nice pad saves. So not a complete and total disaster, but obviously not a good performance from Igor Shesterkin in this game either. Like I said, he didn't get any help. The Rangers just, nobody played well. I mean, nobody played well. It really is just that simple. You win as a team, you lose as a team, and uh, the Rangers just were not sharp here on opening night. Certainly not as sharp as we were expecting and hoping them to be on an opening night performance at home in the Garden against a rival in the New York Islanders. I realize there's no fans there, so you don't have that energy, that home building energy to feed off of. But, you know, the Islanders are playing in silence as well. So, you know, it can't just be blamed on lack of fans in the arena. The Rangers are going to have to figure it out because there's not going to be fans in the arena, at least not for the foreseeable future. Rangers have already announced that there will not be any fans in Madison Square Garden, at least through the end of February. So you got to just find a way to manufacture your own energy and just feed off of that and find a way to get the job done. Alexi Lafreniere got his first shift of the night not too long after this, and, uh, you know, I thought he looked pretty good overall. I thought, really, he was one of the most dangerous-looking Ranger forwards on the night, and I thought that he actually may have drawn a tripping penalty here. He actually circled around behind the net with the puck and looked like he got tripped up as he circled around, but... 
be that as it may, nothing was called there. This was one of the less egregious calls or no calls from the refs. Again, we are going to get into that. But, uh, yeah, I think overall Lafreniere looked as advertised. I know there was some chatter about, you know, on social media, people maybe wanting Lafreniere to move up the lineup. But, you know, I'm okay with uh, starting Alexi Lafreniere on the third line to begin the season. I wouldn't reinvent the wheel. And I'd rather have him work his way up the lineup rather than immediately throw him into a top six role. And if he struggles a little bit, then you're in a position where you have to drop him down the lineup. I'd rather have him just naturally progress his way up the lineup into a top six role in due time. And you got to remember, if you're putting Alexi Lafreniere into a top six role, you got to take somebody out of a top six role. I mean, do you move Kreider down? Do you move Capo Caco down? Do you move Pavel Buchnevich? And then, you know, if you do that, somebody has to move from the left wing to the right wing, whether that's Kreider, Lafreniere himself, or Artemi Panarin. So I'm okay. Leave Lafreniere on that third line with Philip Hedl and Julian Gauthier. Let's see if we can get those guys going a little bit. Julian Gauthier, like I said, had a really nice night for the Rangers, I thought. One of the more uh, dangerous-looking Ranger forwards on the ice. There were a couple instances where he came really close to scoring. Uh, there was a stuff-in try for Gauthier late in the second period where the puck was just laying there on the crease. Couldn't quite put it home, but he just came within inches of his first NHL goal there. And then also, I believe it was in the third period, a really strong drive to the net, basically just bull rushed into the crease and couldn't quite stuff the puck home. But Julian Gauthier asserting himself, showing off that nice bun of speed and power that, you know, some of us are very excited about. And I think he is still a player that has upside. And you hope that playing with Alexi Lafreniere, that's another reason not to move Lafreniere up is maybe he can get a little bit more out of a Julian Gauthier or out of a Philip Hedl. I'm not going to rent the wheel and turn this lineup upside down and shuffle all the lines for the second game. I think, you know, look, it was a regrettable, bad performance on opening night, but I think you got to give these lines at least a little bit of time to gel. And I wouldn't go with a knee-jerk reaction and force Alexi Lafreniere into a top-six role. Not just yet. Let him stay with Heedle and go to and see if he's capable of elevating either or both of those players. But it's still 2 to nothing at this point, and the Islanders have a chance for more. They go in on a 3-on-2. Mika Zibanejad made a really nice play here on the back check, takes the puck away clean, and ends up skating it out of the zone. And I thought Mika had a really nice defensive night in this game, actually. There was an instance later where Brock Nelson, I believe this was in the, yeah, it was in the second period, he weaved around Keandre Miller up along the boards, moved toward his left, and made a centering pass. And Mika, you know, kind of picked up Keandre Miller a little bit here. Really, again, a nice job with the back check, breaks up a potential scoring chance there. So Mika Zibanejad uh, looking pretty good overall. I mean, got a couple of shots on net. I don't think it was the A-plus version of Mika Zibanejad, but you got to remember, he's barely practiced. He's just getting over a bout with COVID. So overall, I think Ranger fans have to be pretty encouraged from what they saw by Mika Zibanejad in this game. There are better days ahead for him. Like I said, there are better days ahead for every player on this New York Ranger team. But for anybody concerned about Mika Zibanejad, all things considered, I thought Mika Zibanejad looked pretty good in this game overall. A couple minutes later, the Islanders score again on the aforementioned Matt Barzell goal. This came as a result of Jack Johnson not being able to dump the puck into the Islanders' zone. Again, a little bit of a bad break there, but you got to find a way to put that puck into the zone. And uh, Barzell goes in, goes right around Tony D'Angelo, scores over Igor Shesterkin's glove, makes it 3 to nothing. And then not too long after that, another power play for the Islanders. The Rangers take a penalty for too many men on the ice. Look, this is not a penalty that you want to take at any point during the season. It's among the frankly, the most undisciplined penalty that you can take. It's something that should be avoidable, and especially on opening night. You know, this is the first game of the season. You should be sharp as a tack out there. You're a division rival. You're playing in Madison Square Garden. You should be ready to go. You should know when you're going to go onto the ice and when you're not going to go onto the ice. And unfortunately, the Rangers uh, just get caught with too many men on the ice. Results in a power play for the Islanders. The Rangers... Fortunately, we're able to kill this off, keep the score at 3-0 at this time. They go with a penalty-killing unit of Kevin Rooney, Brett Howden, Ryan Lindgren, and Adam Fox. And Fox and Howden actually created a two-on-one opportunity while shorthanded. Unfortunately, they did not get a shot off. But again, you know, I thought 
the guys that were on the fourth line, and I realize this is the penalty kill unit, this isn't the fourth line, but two of the fourth liners, Kevin Rooney and Brett Howden, were both out there. Thought overall pretty good nights uh, for those guys, and we will continue to talk about them as we continue to discuss this game here. But yeah, first period ends, still 3 to nothing in the Islanders' favor, just frankly a really, really bad period to start the season for the Rangers. I really don't know how else to say it. You can't always sugarcoat it, but as I said on Twitter, you know, there's nowhere to go but up after a performance like this. We'll continue to talk about the rest of the game in just a second here. Just wanted to take a minute to tell you guys about Locked On Fantasy Hockey, especially those of you who are participating in the Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy Hockey League. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long dynasty and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So I definitely think that the second period for the Rangers was their best period of the night. I realize that's not exactly setting the bar very high, but I thought they looked more dangerous and created more scoring opportunities in this period than they probably did in the other two combined. And it started great for the Rangers because you had the Zibanejad line on the ice and Pavel Buchnevich drew a penalty right off the opening faceoff. Literally four seconds in the period, Rangers going on the power play. They roll with a line of Mika Zibanejad, Tony D'Angelo, Ryan Strom, Artemi Panarin, and Chris Kreider. You know, they worked the puck around the perimeter. Not a ton of great scoring opportunities, but at least they were possessing the puck a little bit, making a couple of crisp passes. There was an instance after the power play ended, not too long after, where Heedle left a drop pass for Alexi Lafreniere, and Lafreniere bobbled it for just a second. He eventually still got the shot off, but by then, you know, Varlamov gets in position and is able to make the save. There's a rebound, another shot, another save, and the puck is frozen. Would have been interesting to see what Lafreniere could have done if he got the shot off right away there. We could have been talking about his first goal, but alas, uh, it was not meant to be there. Unfortunately, the Rangers find themselves shorthanded not too long after that. Questionable call here again. There was a high hit by Ryan Lindgren on Jordan Eberle. They call a charging penalty, but I mean, I don't know. They basically smashed their faces together. So both these guys were really lucky that it wasn't a worse collision than it turned out to be. Uh, but they call Ryan Lindgren for a penalty here. I thought it was a clean hit. Uh, just an instance where, you know, it, it was a big hit. It was a rough hit right in the neutral zone there. But I mean, I don't think he was targeting Eberle's head or anything like that. So I, I don't really know why this is called a penalty charging. I mean, yeah, he did charge him. He charged him to deliver a, a check. Jordan Eberle had the puck in open ice. That's fair game. You're allowed to go up there and hit your man. So yeah, the Rangers end up shorthanded again. They go with a penalty kill unit of Mika Zibanejad, Pavel Buchnevich, Jack Johnson, and Jacob Shruba. Definitely interesting to see guys like Pavel Buchnevich out there on the kill. I mean, the penalty kill was kind of a mixed bag for the Rangers. The Islanders converted on two of their eight opportunities. The bigger issue here was just the fact that the Rangers gave them eight power play opportunities. It wasn't so much the play of the penalty kill unit in general. I mean, they give up two goals. It's more than you would like to see, but two out of eight, it's not the complete end of the world. And overall, you know, I thought on a lot of the Islander power plays where they did not score, the Ranger penalty kill unit actually looked pretty good. So you see, there are a couple of positives we can pull out of this game. And I thought they did a really nice job on this particular penalty kill here. Shesterkin actually made a really nice play. The puck went in on net, and he basically just shot the puck to his left, off the boards, and all the way down the rink. Uh, we know that Igor Shesterkin is a very good puck handler, and that was a reminder of it right there. But David Quinn overall wants to see more aggressiveness out of his penalty kill unit, and that's why you're going to see guys like Chris Kreider. You know, Kreider was out there on the penalty kill. I thought he looked pretty good on the kill in this night. And then the Rangers, not too long after that, they get their best scoring opportunity of the game, at least up to this point. Uh, Ryan Strom played the puck from behind the net in front. Julian Gauthier is there. He can't quite stuff at home. He basically tried to tuck the puck around Varlamov's outstretched left 
left pad. Uh, the puck was just laying there in the crease for a second, but the Rangers just couldn't get to it to stuff at home and uh, you know get on the board there. Gautier at this time was out there with Stroman Panarin, which is definitely interesting to see. And then we also had a line just right after this where it was Alexi Lafreniere, Filipito, and Capo Caco. So David Quinn kind of shuffling the deck a little bit on the fly in this game. I realized the first period was not good at all for the Rangers. They need to try to find a way to create some more scoring opportunities. I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, changing the lines up as often as I think he did in this game. You're just a couple periods into the season. So give these guys a little bit of time to gel together. Give them a little bit of time to find their chemistry. Uh, I wouldn't you try to reinvent the wheel so early in the season. But at the same time, I do understand at least to a point where he's looking to get something going here. And again, I think Julian Gauthier had a nice night, and uh, maybe this was uh, a case of him being rewarded for playing well, uh, getting a chance to you know at least get a couple of shifts with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. And then we get what I thought was an excellent shift from the fourth line. Uh, Kevin Rooney, Brett Howden, Brian Lemieux, just a blue-collar effort here, working their tails off to maintain possession in the Islanders' zone. There's a scramble in front of the Islander net, and the puck goes in. I mean, we can debate whether or not it was a goal. I think this definitely should have been a goal. I think it should have counted. It looked like it was Kevin Rooney who stuffed it in. Uh, the puck clearly went into the net and was clearly into the net before the whistle. They review it. They do not count the goal, and it's still 3 to nothing Islanders, and this is the beginning of what I thought was just a terrible night for these officials. I mean, they there were a couple questionable calls, a couple questionable no calls. Nothing out of this world egregious up to this point. But what drove me crazy on this play here is you've got a complete scramble in front of the Islander net. This was a slow-developing play. It's not like this happened out of nowhere, and the referee just is not in position. Now, look, I'm not an expert on where the referees are supposed to position themselves. I'm not an expert where the linesmen are supposed to position themselves. I'm sure those guys have a better feel of where they're supposed to be on the ice in different situations than I do. All I know is that anytime there's a scramble in front of a net, whether it's the Rangers or any game across this league, you'll see the referee get in there behind the net. Sometimes they actually get up on top of the net, and then they'll kind of try to look straight down so that they can see the goal line and try to see if the puck crosses the line or not, whether they should call it a goal or not. In this instance, the referee was just standing along the boards, and I tweeted, I was like, why is the referee eight miles away from the net on this play? What is he doing over there? What does he have to see over there along the boards? that's so much more important than trying to determine whether this puck crossed the line or not. And as this play was developing, and I swear to God this is true, I was yelling at the TV, but I wasn't yelling like, you know, score the goal, stuff it in there, you know, all the things that we Ranger fans might yell when the Rangers are trying to get a stuff-in goal. I was yelling at the referee as this play was happening live, get your ass back behind the net and get into position where you can see if the puck actually crosses the line or not. I don't know what he was doing. And then, you know, you see a couple Rangers, I think Brandon Lemieux, you know, put his arm in the air because he thought that the Rangers had scored a goal, and the referee then skates in, and he's just like, oh, I don't know. I guess it's no goal. Whatever. Who cares? And it, I mean, it just blows my mind that he was in such bad position here because, again, this was not a scoring opportunity that came out of nowhere. It was. It lasted a couple seconds. You know, the Rangers are there. The Islanders are there. Everybody's trying to either stuff the puck in or do what they can to keep the puck out. Just a complete scrum in front of the net, and the referee will not move into position to see whether the puck goes in or not. So that play just drove me absolutely crazy, and while we're talking about this fourth line, like I said, I thought it was a good night for them. I should also point out their ice time, or lack thereof. Kevin Rooney only got 8 minutes and 22 seconds. Now, Brett Howden did have a lot of time on the ice. He was, I mean, he had to. He was out there on the penalty kill for half the game. But he had 15 minutes and 46 seconds of ice time, and Brandon Lemieux had 5 minutes and 24 seconds of ice time. And just to throw out one more name, I realize he wasn't on the fourth line. He was on the third line. But Julian Gauthier only got 10 minutes and 12 seconds. And all these times, at least Rooney, Lemieux, and Gauthier were among, in fact, they were the three lowest amount of time on the ice for any Ranger forward in this game. And I thought all these guys played well. I thought maybe their play dictated that they should have been out there a little bit more than they were. I realized that you want to get your 
big guys going. You want to get guys like Panarin and Zibanejad and all those guys, all your big scoring threats on the ice as much as possible and try to get them going in this season here in the first game, especially when you're down by so many goals and you need to score. But I don't know. I'm a big fan of, you know, rewarding strong play. And I thought that fourth line should have seen the ice a little bit more than they did in this game, just based on what they did and just because of their overall effort level. Let's keep talking about the refs for a second here. And again, I can't stress this enough. You guys know, anybody who's been listening to this show for a long time, anybody who kind of went through the season with me last year, the first season of Locked On New York Rangers, you guys know that I do not go after the refs that often. I'm not one of those fans that thinks that every single time my team loses, it's because the refs had it in for us or the umpires had it in for us or whatever it might be. But you got to call it like you see it. And this was not a good night for the Zebras. So another instance, another really big, Bad missed call here. The Rangers take a penalty. Lafreniere actually gets a penalty. But Tony D'Angelo has the puck, and a player on the Islanders just straight up slashes him right across the hand. And D'Angelo immediately reacted to it. You know, he, he started shaking. I think it was his right hand uh, because he just got whacked across the hand with a stick. And the official does not call it. This play is right in front of the official. There's nobody else there. It happened in front of the Ranger net. It's not like his view was blocked or anything. This is the same ref that already had his arm up in the air, was going to call a penalty on Lafreniere, and yet he misses a blatant slash right across the hand of Tony D'Angelo. And there's nobody else. There's no other players other than Shesterkin, D'Angelo, and the Islander that's anywhere near this play that could have possibly obstructed his view. So just a blatant miscall there. And then later in the game, in the third period, Tony D'Angelo takes a holding penalty behind the Ranger net. Now, to be fair, I do think this was a penalty. See, I am fair here with the officials. Uh, you know, Barzell was trying to get by him. D'Angelo stuck out his arm, kind of just grabbed him for a second and uh, impeded his progress there. And it doesn't seem like much, but this is a penalty that gets called around the league. They will call you for holding on this play. So I have no problem with the penalty there. But then they also give Tony D'Angelo an extra two minutes for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty as he's leaving the ice. Now, we don't know what Tony said to the referee as he was leaving the ice, but he did slam the penalty box door. But I mean, what did did he hurt the referee's feelings here? And I'm sure at this point, D'Angelo's fed up because he knows that he got slashed the period before right in front of the referee and nothing was called. So I'm sure he let the referee know about it. But I mean, this rarely gets called an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for something that you say to the officials. Because I've seen Road to the Winter Classic. I've seen all these different segments where they have players mic'd up on the ice and they say uh, some pretty out there stuff to the referees. And the referees usually just give it right back to them. But I guess this referee had his feelings hurt by Tony D'Angelo here. He gave him an extra two minutes and, you know, the Islanders at that point have a four-minute power play. So, yeah, these were the most egregious offenses by these referees in this game here tonight. Uh, just not a good night overall. And again, I do not go after the referees very often, but got to call it like you see it every once in a while. And I actually forgot about this one, but I have it written down in my notes, so we might as well just go the full nine yards and just bury the referees here in this episode. Uh, so at the end of the second period, there's an instance where the horn sounds, you think the period's over, but the officials insist on having a face-off and putting half of a second back on the clock so that there can be a face-off in the Rangers' zone. They drop the puck, and of course, you know, there's a skirmish between the Rangers and Islanders, everybody getting together, a lot of pushing and shoving. And then Jean-Gabriel Peugeot, basically sucker punches Brandon Lemieux in the face and Lemieux falls to the ice and they call embellishment on Lemieux. Now, Pajot got a penalty too, but I don't know. I mean, what was Lemieux supposed to do there? Just take a punch to the face and just not react to it? That was ridiculous. Show some guts and call a penalty on the guy who punched the other guy in the face, not the guy who fell to the ice as a result of getting punched in the face. And just the fact that that 
face-off even needed to happen is also pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's the end of the second period. The horn sounds. Everybody's ready to go into the locker room, and these referees are like, no, no, put a half second back on. Let's have this face-off here. So, you know, Colin Stevenson, I believe it was, he actually tweeted that, you know, the referees deserve to have this skirmish on their hands after they insisted on putting half of a second back on the clock for no reason. And with the way the referees called this game, you get the feeling this could have been the end of the third period, and the Islanders would have still been up 4 nothing, and they still would have insisted on putting half a second back on the clock. We can't have this game end. We have to put a half second back on the clock and, and have this face-off here before it becomes official. Just a couple other closing thoughts here. I don't think we need to keep going play-by-play play here. I mean, everybody watched the game. It was the first game of the season, and everybody pretty much saw that the Rangers clearly did not have their A game last night. But a couple other things I just wanted to bring up here before we call it a day. Uh, Ke'Andre Miller was benched for a while in this game, in the second period and into the third period. And I did not agree with that. Look, he struggled a little bit. I mean, he looked like a nervous player making his NHL debut. I don't think that's too uncommon. But he was benched in this game in the third period. And... I didn't agree with that because, think about it, the Rangers as a whole are just not playing well. They're down 4 to nothing. It's not a banner night for a single player wearing a blue jersey last night. Why are you going to bench Ke'Andre Miller? All you're going to accomplish by doing this is hurting his confidence. And are you that terrified of going down 5 nothing? I mean, I realize you're playing this team again in two days, and you don't want to just keep giving up free goals. But I don't know. I would leave Ke'Andre Miller. If anything, I would put him out there for more ice time because let's hopefully get Ke'Andre Miller to have a couple of good shifts to end his night, have a little bit of confidence going into his second NHL game, not do the exact opposite of that and pull him off the ice and have him just sitting there on the bench thinking about it and dealing a blow to his confidence. Let him play through his mistakes and go through the inevitable growing pains that pretty much come with being a rookie in the NHL. I don't understand the point of pulling him, especially because this was not a tie game. This is not a situation where you consider Ke'Andre Miller to be a defensive liability out there and you don't want to give up the go-ahead goal to the Islanders. It's 4 nothing. It's been an awful night for everybody. So just treat the last period of this game almost like it's a little bit of an exhibition. I'm not saying you should completely give up. You never know what can happen. You score a couple of goals quickly, you can get back into the game. But man, I, I just don't see the point in pulling Ke'Andre Miller off the ice there. I think that definitely did more harm than good for the Rangers overall. And something else I got to bring up in the third period here, uh, the Islanders get a 2 and one They're up 4 to nothing at this point. All hope is just about loss. Again, I never give up on a game, but for the most part, I mean, this is looking like it's definitely going to be an L for the Rangers. And Islanders, like I said, they go in on a two-on-one. Igor Shesterkin makes a diving save to his left, then has to dive back to his right to try to stop Jordan Eberle from stuffing the puck home. And Eberle, full-on, head-first dive, trying to knock the puck home. And Shesterkin was down on the ice, and Eberle just crashes into him. And it was a scary scene for a second there, because Shesterkin, when this play ended, was face down on the ice, not moving. And it kind of got overlooked a little bit by the commentators. I mean, Sam and Joe are great, don't get me wrong, but I think initially they missed this. And Shesterkin was just laying there motionless. So it was really a scary scene. You know, everybody's trying to figure out whether it's a goal or not. But I couldn't have been the only Ranger fan holding his breath when I saw that, you know, Igor Shesterkin is face down on the ice and not moving. Uh, the trainer went out there for a second. Shesterkin stayed in the game, and that was great. But the issue I have here is that there was no reaction from the Rangers. And I don't think this was a dirty play. I'm not trying to say that, you know, Jordan Eberle took liberties, just took a run at the Ranger goalie for no reason. He's trying to score a goal. I mean, the puck's laying there. It's a golden opportunity. He did what just about any player in the NHL would do there. So I'm not going after Jordan Eberle here. But if you're the Rangers, that doesn't mean that you can't get mad for somebody crashing, just barreling into your goalie and leaving him motionless. Where's the fire? This is Rangers Islanders. This is opening night. And again, we did that crossover with Gil Martin. And I kind of had a feeling that for Ranger Islander standards, this game might be a little bit more cordial than we're used to seeing just because it's opening night. Both teams want to go out there and get a win. But man, it's the third period at this point. It's 4 nothing, And this dude just 
absolutely obliterated your goalie. So why is nobody going after him? Or why is nobody not, you know, maybe not necessarily going after Jordan Eberle, but at this point, there's about 11 minutes left in the game. Why is nobody not, you know, I don't want to say like taking runs at people or taking cheap shots or anything like that, but get physical. Or maybe, you know, somebody like Brian Lemieux, Ryan Lindgren, maybe they could look to challenge somebody to a fight. Again, you know, I don't want the Rangers to be one of these teams that just goes out there and looks for troubles and looks to take cheap shots at people. But when somebody just crashes into your goalie like a runaway freight train, clean play or not, I think there has to be some kind of a reaction here. And you just didn't see the fire that you need to see out of the Rangers in this game, especially after that happened. If anything's going to light a fire under our team, you would think it would be somebody smashing into your goalie at full speed. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. There was no retaliation, and the game ends for nothing. That's pretty much it for today. I don't really have a whole lot else to say about this one. The only other thing I wanted to bring up here is that Kevin Rooney suffered an injury in the third period. He just was involved in an awkward collision. And we just got a tweet from Vince Bercogliano. He's been on the show a couple of times. He does a great job covering the Rangers for Lohud.com, a couple other publications as well. But he just tweeted out uh, what the Rangers lines look like at practice here today. You've got pretty much everything you would expect on the top six. Nothing has changed there. You got Mika centering Kreider and Buchnevers. You got Strom centering Panarin and Kako. The third line is Philip Hedl centering Alexi Lafreniere and Philip DiGiuseppe. And then the fourth line is Brett Howden centering Brennan Lemieux and Julian Gauthier. And Vince also mentions that Kevin Rooney is not on the ice after taking that hit last night. So we keep our fingers crossed there. I thought Rooney, like I said, him and that fourth line looked pretty good together. I think it's a little strange that they would move Gauthier down from the third line to the fourth line, especially after, in my estimation, he was one of the better Ranger forwards on the ice last night, but it is what it is, and we'll just keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully Kevin Rooney can get back into the lineup, because I think he had a pretty solid debut for the Rangers last night. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.